Welcome, 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 everyone. This is potentially the first episode of season two of Story Trek. Yes, that's right. We made it to a second season of the show. We were renewed by our network. It's one of those wonderful things that happen every so often, and you're really grateful for those people that supported you. And in this case, it's us. So <laughs> where we've 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 pleased the gods that are ourselves. Has there been one, Marshall, where it's like the the, the god is the person and they're pleasing themselves? Hmm. Uh, when Riker was turned into a Q. There you go. Well, speaking of Riker being turned into a Q, that's actually <laughs> one of the episodes that I wanted to talk to you about. I'm putting together a list sort of an essential list, if you will, of TNG episodes okay. to, uh, for a certain special someone to go through for the first time for The Next Generation, having watched the original series mm -hmm. and uh, uh, many of the Trek films. Okay. This is her first foray into The Next Generation, TNG, and wanted to hopefully get through this list, if not, if most of this list, if not all the list, before August of this year when there's the Las Vegas convention. Ooh. Before I get too far into it, you know, commit to giving her this list, I thought I would run it by you and see what you thought. Well, you're in luck because, I mean, I... I am that guy um, amongst my friends. I am either the Star Trek guy or the comic book guy, which means that I am the one that people come to with questions when there is an Easter egg or a character or a moment. And they say, OK, clearly that was significant, but I have no idea what the hell that was. Um, <laughs> usually that's me. So I have put together lists, both short and comprehensive. I have, I'm actually looking over a list that I did for friends right now, and I've divided it into a couple of sections and that section is if you've only ever seen star trek first contact here's your list of tng episodes <laughs> <laughs> and if you're actually interested in more here's a more comprehensive list that gives you more of the picard character arc and things like that uh in this case it's more of just not just the narrative of picard or the the borg or anything like that uh the narrative that she's looking at is the entire narrative of tng as a whole by the way were you a fan of the DC comics of for Star Trek in the 80s? It's funny you say that. So I kind of was, but I was still a little bit too young to be like, take me to the comic book store. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, my grandmother would collect those comics. I think it was, I may have had an uncle who used to collect comics and she just kept them in the attic. So there are some comics from like the late 70s, early 80s. So there is some I don't have the issue that's like the adaptation of the motion picture, but she did have some of that, you know, era where and I remember now we mentioned it a few episodes ago where the it wasn't called the Enterprise in a few issues. It was called the Excelsior. Uh -huh. um, I remember seeing a few of those comics. One of those times you go and clean out the attic and I was like the Excelsior. So uh, I did read some of those. I was too young yet to have a full appreciation of them. My comic book era is more 88 and on. So you did you were you around then for the second DC relaunch after Star Trek five? Um, I was here and there. So uh, because didn't they also have TNG comics that ran concurrently? I basically have collected almost every single DC comic and every Star Trek comic since 1979. Wow. Uh, up until about 1995. 
Cool. So I have about a 15, 16 year collection of the stuff. I have the motion picture, the comic book series, comic book adaptations of Search for Spock, Voyage Home, you know, that type of thing. Awesome. Um, I have these these books that DC was very popular putting out in the late 80s, early 90s called The Who's Who. Right. Yeah. You know? yep. That's cool. Just as a quick aside, as a comic book fan, now that everything's going digital, I do miss the era of the, for as much as I was annoyed by it at the time, I do miss the era of the cardboard backs and the Mylar backs for your comic book. So I sent over to you a little list of what is my preliminary recommendation list yeah i I do think that that i mean you have to start with encounter at far point that's just required the naked now that's an interesting choice but i do get that because there's a connection to the original series this person would have seen that episode and be able to make that connection the last outpost that is an interesting one um that is some very roddenberryan philosophy in that one i mean to me that one is basically a retelling of arena Right, right. Uh, but it's also the first encounter with the Ferengi. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought that that was worth pointing out to her for what mm-hmm. it's worth. Just like, here's the Ferengi. Um, even though it's just, I don't know, so you can see how bad they were when they were first introduced. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, that episode is honestly sort of a take it or leave it. It's like the Takan Empire never comes up again, right? Uh, the Ferengi are so different than this episode and later episodes. It's almost like, well, why bother? Right. Right. Uh, And they're so much more evolved in a short span of years afterwards. It's difficult to make that. I think they do try to retcon it at some point and just say that the Ferengi got technology far faster than they could actually mature to you know, be another uh, a part of usual civil society amongst that galaxy. Is it worth keeping this episode on the list or is this just, meh, it doesn't really factor that much into the overall narrative of TNG? Last outpost, that's a good question. I mean, I think that you could take it or leave it, honestly, in terms of an essential list. Like I said, if you're wanting to get that Roddenberryan philosophy, that kind of view on, again, not necessarily morality, but it's really just philosophy that him and I can't remember the name of the character who has the um, staff. It's just the, it's just the guardian. He's yeah, the guardian. Yeah. yeah. 10,000, multi-thousand year old alien presence. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, though, there's so much Roddenberry stuff also with justice or where no one has gone before that I, I just kind of I waver on that one. Mm-hmm. And Justice just has those fun costumes. I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the fun, the fun I, costumes. Wesley jumps in, jumps into a garden and has to die. I feel like a lot in Justice is. I mean, you really can't point your finger to one quintessential TNG episode, but I think Justice kind of encapsulates the first season. Like you have, whether you love him or hate him, Wesley Crusher is there doing things. Mm -hmm. Um, You can find him obnoxious. You can find him as a plot device. I personally sometimes find him as both. Mm -hmm. Um, You have Worf and these other characters interacting with a new civilization and society. Worf actually kind of gets a hug from one of the natives and says, nice planet. Like, he, you know, this is completely out of character for him before and since then. But you have the wonderful costumes. You have this whole philosophical debate about the nature of God or godhood and the purpose of justice. Is it just enforcing laws or is it making sure the right thing is done? Again, I can't think of too many episodes of TNG that really kind of 
capture in one hour a lot of what you'll see in many other episodes dispersed around. So anything else in this list stand out that I should consider maybe losing? Let's see. Hide and Q. Anything with Q has got to be good. I think that most of the rest of these are just essential. What do you think about 11001001? I, I mean, apart from the, the the matter with the binars, I don't have a high opinion of the minuet thing. I don't have a high opinion of, you know, Riker and Picard are just chilling in the holodeck for a few minutes for no reason whatsoever. Uh-huh. Other than, doesn't this hologram look attractive? I, I That's not one of my favorite. Yeah, now that you remind me of that one, that's... Okay. Not one of my favorites. All right. Anything else here from first season? Um, everything else here looks good. Um, I really like some of these choices. Some of them I wouldn't have thought about, like Justice again. Uh, the big goodbye is essential. Data lore is essential. Okay. And this is the mm-hmm. list for season two. Much shorter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Much shorter. And a lot of these are on the list that I typically share with others, like the measure of a man is just essential. We've talked about it here on this podcast before, I think. Um, elementary Dear Data, is, as a kid who called me a nerd again, as the kid in middle school who was reading the combined Sherlock Holmes stories, that was one I really enjoyed. The Neutral Zone, absolutely essential. Again, a fun kind of example of... This is what happens if you were to just transport yourself, just put yourself in cryostasis and wake up, you know, several hundred years in the future. It wouldn't be as fun as you think it is. Am I forgetting anything? Season two, I had also on my list The Emissary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's the only one that's missing from from that list. Remind me, correct me if I'm wrong, Q Who, was that the first one, Michael Pillar? No. No, it is not. Okay. No, this is still Maurice Hurley days. Okay. This is, of course, the introduction of the Borg. Right, right, right. Okay. Let's see. I think that that's a solid list for season two. Obviously, season two got a little bit rocky. A little bit of Dr. Pulaski goes a long way for the various reasons that's the case. You'll notice I left Shades of Grey off this list. I did notice that. Yeah. Isn't that just that was the writer strike clip show, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm glad they don't do those. Any, does anybody do those? Any, well, Dan Harmon has made it a gimmick where clip shows are filled with clips you never saw. We had enough of them in the 80s. We really oh, did. We're a traumatized generation, my friend. Wait, wait. No, not only that. The last episode of Full House, the two parter is a clip show. And then they and then they just ducked out by doing a clip show. Yeah, they ducked out, but like <laughs> M- Michelle is injured somehow, and the whole family is gathered at the house, and Michelle is remembering all the events that have happened throughout our childhood thus far, and it's just really you couldn't do any better than that. You know, one of these days we should do an episode about the uh, series finales, mm. and uh, that sounds to me like potentially just as bad as what I would say for one potential. Trek series that I'll leave for that conversation. Oh, I think we all know what we're thinking about, but let's move on to the next season of TV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I see your list here. There are a lot of good choices. <laughs> Who watches the Watchers is a very good choice. I've shared that with other people before. That was actually a last minute addition mm. because in an essence to really condense TNG, I asked myself this question. Mm. Like, does the, does this episode pay off anywhere later? Uh, because as an episode by itself, it's fantastic. There's no arguing that it's more of a question of, is there something from this episode to be grasped 
by a first time TNG watcher that they would not feel somehow satiated about it in other episodes. I feel like this episode does two things. Number one, it establishes a little bit more of Picard's view of religion, a little bit better than Justice did, uh, as we just talked about in season one. Number two, I feel like it perfectly establishes, you know, if you want to go outside of TNG, why Cisco was the head of that space station and Picard could never possibly have done that. Right. Mm-hmm. There is no way he could have handled being a religious figure to an entire planet full of people, no matter what the wormhole aliens say. Yeah, I, 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 I like who watches the watcher for that one. I noticed one isn't on your season three list. It's uh, the instance of command. The instance of command. That's the one with data on that planet with the, the aqueducts. Right. Right. And he has to convince these people that, hey, these horrible aliens are coming. They will kill all of you if you don't leave. And I like that one for really and truly. I don't know if it was intended, but I feel like there's maybe a little bit of a climate change thing where you have the townsfolk denying the reality or the severity of what's coming for them. The thing I liked about the B plot with the Sheliak is that, and this is the point in time I feel like in Star Trek that you know, you always see the crew of the Enterprise being hyper competent. Mm-hmm. Um, they show you every step of the way how they're hyper competent, like how they attack problems and things like that. How Picard addresses problems. It's something that I feel like is very much missing from New Trek. And so I, maybe I'm kind of missing that retroactively, like Picard, Riker and Troy just figuring out how do we talk to these aliens? Well, you know, what? you make a really good point. So I'm going to add that one to the list. Anything else on season three? And for anybody, and for anybody wondering this listening to this, we uh, we will be posting this list of each season on our Twitter. So if you follow us on Twitter, this will give you a great opportunity to take a look at this list in its entirety. Right, and you can check whatever um, streaming or video site that you pay for. Um, watch these episodes. We think that they're absolutely fantastic. I, I was just mentioning you have to have the episode Sarek on there. I think that that's one of the most heartbreaking episodes of Star Trek. It's especially, I mean, this it's pretty obvious that this is an allegory for dealing with someone who is older and uh, living with Alzheimer's yeah. uh, or just realizing that they're suffering the effects of Alzheimer's. There's a, a, a science fiction equivalent of that. And it's a great metaphor episode, but it also features obviously one of the storied characters in Star Trek history, the great Sarek. Yeah. Let's see. Yesterday's enterprise, just, you know, chef's kiss. Mwah. That's just perfect. If I recall correctly, I think one of the first shows in television that did the we're in the normal universe and now we're in the darkest timeline. I think Doctor Who might predate the mirror universe by just a couple of years in Star Mm -hmm. Trek. Um, Mm -hmm. But yesterday's Enterprise, I think, is the best story of this is the darkest timeline because it deals with the morality of all that involved. Mm -hmm. Right. It's uh, I love the moment where Picard is angry at Guinan for telling Tasha Yar that she died in another timeline. Yeah, this is a great list. Season three, I think, is one of the best seasons of TNG yet. So obviously it's going to have a longer list of episodes, but I don't dispute any of them. They're all great. Well, let's just move on then to season four. All right. Um, Obviously, season three ends with Best of Both Worlds Part One. Season four starts with Best of Both Worlds Part 
Two, then you have family and brothers. I I think that that just flows together. We've talked about how these episodes represent a sort of cohesive story about how you have a character who is introduced to extreme trauma and you see him overcome that trauma. But you also see, I think that the importance there is that this is the beginning of the Enterprise crew as a family. That's interesting that you make that point because one of Pillar's goals he set out for season four was he wanted to make the theme of the season about family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the this is definitely the season where you see, you know, everybody sort of come together with a much more definite emotional connections. I have to admit, I'm a little bit surprised you put Remember Me on there. Oh, I think that episode's a classic. I mean, it. I think it's actually a uh, a very strong, you are just mentioning and commenting about Sarek. I think this is just another version of looking at some of that similar issues or just thinking about, you know, people that you've lost in your life and just wondering Mm -hmm. if anybody remembers who they are Mm -hmm. dealing with the whole idea of people's memories after they're gone. Mm -hmm. I can't think of another episode that really kind of puts Dr. Crusher on the forefront without making an embarrassment of her. You're absolutely right. There's one episode that I can remember, one other episode that I can remember where Dr. Crusher gets to be more of a detective. Yeah. Dr. Crusher didn't get very many moments to shine. You're right. It does play on all of your fears of abandonment. And while Star Trek does kind of have Star Trek very rarely does straight up horror. You know, there's the um, episode conspiracy. So in season one, you have the episode conspiracy that for all intents and purposes is basically Star Trek meets aliens or the alien Mm -hmm. universe. Um, But remember me does this. It's more of a thriller, you know, without a, you know, killer or anything like that. That I think, yeah. Remember me is a very bold episode of Star Trek. Now that I think about it, Um, I think it's just weird that I found some people online don't think very highly of it for some reason. Well, I think those probably are people that just don't like uh, Dr. Crusher to begin with. Yeah, that's true. I I don't understand that impulse. Me personally, Dr. Crusher was always very capable. Um, but again, that's, you know, she never had as much screen time as bones. So, you know, we didn't really get to spend as much time with her, get as much of her personality, um, which again, something I think that TNG could have done better, but Hey, that's for another episode. So I'm looking at these, all of these look wonderful. Um, the wounded Cupid, uh, data's day, not a bad one in sight. I was, I'm on the fence about half a life. I really like that one however i can see why you may want to take it out it's basically logan's run right not necessarily logan's run but it's the same debate as logan's run a couple that i had on my list that i found interesting was uh suddenly human i like the whole adoption angle i like seeing picard this is one of the first episodes we get to see picard forced to be a father Mm -hmm. Um, to somebody other than Wesley. And then also Devils Do, I just find it fun. Do you know know the story that that episode was originally a TOS episode? I did not know that. Originally, the judge, instead of being Data, was going to be Spock. And then, of course, Kirk would be the prosecutor instead of Picard. When you think about the devil seducing Picard, think about Mm -hmm. it being Kirk, and now it makes way more sense. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a whole lot more sense. You know, that's interesting. If in case I haven't tipped my hand yet, I'm a, also a fan of Doctor Who. And <laughs> at conventions, um, if you can convince the actor to do it, um, if they're in a good mood, if they are willing to do so, if the fans are warm enough, they will read dialogue that was given by another Who actor. And so it's sort of like you get to experience, in a sense, 
their interpretation of the same lines. You know, how would they inflect? How would they deliver it? It's always a different play on the exact same words. It works with who because you have, you know, it's basically the same character with uh, thousands of personalities. All that's to say, I would love to see like even if it's just a table read, you have the Voyager crew doing the 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 episode Devils Do. Like, how would Janeway handle that? Or would you even have the exact same interaction? Well, would you do that? And what would you have? Would you have like um, Seven of Nine be the judge? Yeah, absolutely. Seven of Nine would perfect be perfect as the judge. Her and Janeway definitely had that great interaction. You could definitely see, you know, just as Picard says to Data. You know, I think we're dealing with a con artist, a flim flam man. Number one, I think that Janeway would reach that conclusion a little bit faster than Picard did. Number two, yeah, they would have the, a, a very interesting dynamic. On the flip side of that, I don't think you can get that same episode out of DS9. Like you could potentially have Dax as the judge, maybe. Well, I think the hard part about doing that episode is that it runs afoul of the whole thing with the prophets. Right, right. Cisco knows what an actual quote unquote deity is. Exactly. So it's like bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's already over. He smacked you in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cisco just unilaterally declared that contract null and void. Well, I mean, if somebody comes to Bajor and tries to say they're the devil, Kira just punches them in the face and says, I guess you're not. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't work that well. Yeah. On, on Enterprise, I think they'd be like, oh my God, it's the devil. Yeah. <laughs> Archer would spend half the episode debating, you know, religious philosophy and whether or not it is could be the devil. And, and then it discovers that the way that he discovers that she's actually not the devil is when uh, his prized beagle, Porthos, sniffs there. Yeah. Yeah. How can the devil have a scent? Yes. Uh, but I digress here. Um, so devils do. That's an interesting choice. I, my question is for someone who had seen TOS. Do you think this episode is really going to uh, land as anything other than just simply uh, a left turn? Hmm. I and again, I'm speaking from a biased perspective because I like the fun of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, a part of the fun of the episode is getting to see Picard a little bit less dignified. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole episode, you know, tribbles are falling on top of him from a from a container, um, metaphorically speaking um, or comparatively speaking. But essential? No. If you have a lot and you do have a lot on your list. Yeah, I think that you can cut out Devil's Due. Anything else on season four? Um, not that I can think of. A lot of these are great. Um, the host, I'm a little bit iffy on. It is the first with the trill. That is true. That is true. Is it even going to register? Right. Because if this list doesn't dovetail into Deep Space Nine, then the trill don't really become all that essential. Well, it will. I mean, the idea is to go through the entire Star Trek's uh, catalog. Yeah. That's actually the sad thing is that every time there's a, like a Beverly Crusher episode, except for Remember Me, mm-hmm. it's always like, oh, yeah, it wasn't so good. Just something goes off the rails. Sub Rosa, the oh, host. Boy. Yeah, I think I'll take the host off the list. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you don't have Sub Rosa anywhere on this list. No, 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 no. This is not the list for Sub Rosa. Sub Rosa is I, I, I'm reserving introducing uh, this person to Sub Rosa should the desire be to go back to see episodes that they had missed the first time through. Mm-hmm. In front of you, I guess you also have the season five list. 
season five. Um, love that we I love the redemption two parter. Darmok is just a classic. I I don't think we've talked about Darmok on the show because, um, frankly, who hasn't talked about Darmok? Well, I need the T-shirt first before I can talk about it. Right. <laughs> Have you seen that T-shirt? Darmok and Gelada Tanagra. Yeah. 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 Dude, I want that. Sh- I need to get. I need to get that shirt. Oh my gosh! Like I, I keep every time I see somebody, I see it on somebody's page or whatever. I'm like, oh, I don't have that shirt. I need that shirt. Right. <laughs> I I believe there's one. It's like um, it's photoshopped to appear like uh, Darmok or not Darmok. That wasn't the name of the captain. Um, but uh, that Picard and his uh, um alien captain friend were part of a band and Darmok and Jalad is presented as the name of a band and Tanagra is where they're performing and you photoshopped a, a guitar in Patrick Stewart's hand. That's the, the t-shirt I might like most. I saw one that has tour dates on the back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the season five list looks again, excellent. You have redemption, Darmok, as we mentioned, Ensign Row, um, which literally, introduces Ensign Rowe. That is a character I felt had so much more potential that we didn't get to see in TNG. Was that, and correct me if I'm wrong, is in, in the production, was that basically like Kira? Well, Michelle Forbes, from what I understand, was already leery of being a regular on television. And so that had a lot, that factored a major part into it. And it's also why she didn't appear more regularly on TNG. Right. The idea was to introduce somebody to replace Wesley Crusher. Mm. Did the writers for some reason just feel the need to add a character who would piss people off? I don't know. I I honestly never had a problem with Ensign Rowe. I thought she was a good addition to the show. She added some friction and some tension. Kind of gave us a foreshadowing of what Deep Space Nine would be like. Oh, I didn't mean the fans. I meant like the crew. Because, I mean, Wesley oh. and Rowe seem to have the same effect. I mean, I think it took Rowe a little more time to sort of ingratiate herself to the crew. Obviously, that first episode was meant for her to be... Uh, sort of an outsider. Right. Still great episode. Great one to watch. Disaster. I love disaster. Again, if you throw awkward Captain Picard next to some kids, you have somehow you have gold. I don't know why. It's also where you get to see Worf deliver a baby. Right. Not just any baby. Keiko O'Brien. Not Keiko. Exactly. Yeah. Keiko Keiko O'Brien's baby, uh, Molly. Molly. Thank you. I figured that was that was kind of important there. Absolutely. The game, just because we get Wesley Crusher back. Plus, we get a Ashley Judd cameo, which is like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think it's cool to watch some of these shows from 30 years ago and see, oh, yeah, that person was in there. Um, I think the game is the closest you get to a very special episode of TNG. To be fair, there were a couple of preachy moments in the first season. I do recall there's the one where you have the planet of addicts. Um, I can't recall that episode uh, uh, title. Um, And Yar has this moment where she lectures Wesley about how bad drugs are. And he's like, I just don't get it. I'm like, this is pulled straight out of the Nancy Reagan. Just say no playbook. It was kind of weird to see Merritt Buttrick back as a drug addict. Yeah, that was jarring. That was jarring. And wasn't the other actor, Joaquin, who was... Khan's right-hand man. Was it? If I, I recall correctly, yeah, this was basically a reunion episode where the terms are flipped and Merrick Buttrick's character is kind of a villain, but a sympathetic villain. And so how would have Wrath of Khan played if Joaquin had been a drug addict and David had been a drug addict? 
I mean, I'm just trying to think of how that changes the movie. Well, I, I mean, I can't even fathom that. I can't fathom that. I mean, David does appear to have been a drug user to have created Genesis the way he did. Um, so yeah, the, the game was a very special episode of Star Trek. Um, but it was a very fun episode. Um, unification one and two. I mean, that's just legendary. You have to add that. So I'm just kind of like skipping through your list, looking up, uh, things ethics, ethics. I feel like maybe a little bit better of a conversation uh, between, you know, half a life, like, if if that if that debate is what you're wanting, I feel like ethics would be a little bit better because ethics directly involves Worf as opposed to a separate new character that, you know, we've only met through Loxana Troy and whether or not you're OK with that episode or accepting to it or open to it depends a lot on how you feel about Loxana Troy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she's a great character who shakes things up and sometimes she's walks on a Troy. So you're, you're seeing that one versus half a life. Yeah. If, if I had to choose between ethics and half a life, I would choose ethics. I agree. The question, just going back to half a life. So would you say this kind of trumps that in, in many ways? And I should probably pull half a life off the list. Definitely. I think it hits most of the same, you know, uh, philosophical topics for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. At the same time, again, this is a situation that's happening directly to Worf and not only directly to Worf, he just got his son, as we just mentioned, you know, who's now living with him. So, uh, you know, for context, for people who don't know, this is a horrible tragedy happens to Worf and he considers, as is the Klingon way, suicide. So the debate is about assisted suicide in the face of potential disability. And again, like I said, you can't go over, you can't overemphasize the fact that this is happening to one of our main characters. We've seen a main character leave this show before. So unless you're already aware of, you know, everything that's going to happen in the rest of TNG and everything that's going to happen in Deep Space Nine and all of that, you're not 100% sure if we're going to see Worf again. Yeah. Well, so I, I I mean, there's not much. Honestly, my list really kind of bottles out, tapers out for the last two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you notice I don't even have the episode where they traveled back in time, time zero. Yeah, it, it's not. It, the whole episode is an excuse for the TNG cast to be in the 1800s and meet Mark Twain. The thing that's so disappointing to me is I thought that was the episode where we would finally understand the relationship between uh, Guinan and Picard. Mm hmm. That seemed to be totally set up for it. And I've watched that episode multiple times just going, did I miss something? Did I miss the connection between Picard and Guinan in that episode that it seems like that would have been perfect for? Nope. The worst thing that I can say about that episode, and again, if you've been hearing this podcast so far, then you know that it's not that harsh as far as I'm concerned, but it may be harsh as far as other Trekkers are concerned. Time's Arrow, that's not a Star Trek episode. That's a Doctor Who episode. Like you find this impossible mystery that can only be solved if you find a way to travel back in time. You have companions separated from, you know, the doctor. So they're all having their separate adventures trying to figure out who these aliens are. Here's another hallmark of Doctor Who. It's an alien you've never seen before. You never see again. That appears to have incredible powers that don't actually look all that impressive when you see it on TV. You have to suspend your disbelief to a wire thin. And then at the end, you meet a famous historical character 
And somehow through paradoxes, everything works out okay in the end. That's a Doctor Who episode. That sums it up then. (laughs) Of this new list, so Chain of Command, I've always really enjoyed because I think Chain of Command is the first time you see a captain who is not evil. You just hate him. And that's Captain Jellicoe, right? Most of our other bad captains or evil captains are insane or unfit for command or delusional or in denial. Jellicoe is just a dick. All right. So anything else on this list I'm missing? Um, so I noticed one, and this is one that divides a lot of people uh, that's off your list. Starship Mine. I really like that episode. I love that episode. I Here's my thing. You never get to see Picard, of all people, play the John McClane character. But at the same time, keep in mind, at least in my mind, at this era of TNG, you still have that debate of who's the better captain, Kirk or Picard. Mm -hmm. And Picard has this reputation of he talks before he shoots. He drinks tea. Mm -hmm. You know, he's this calm guy who listens to opera music. You know, you never see him really throw very many punches or do anything like that. We've seen episodes, I think, in Tapestry. Uh, I think prior to this episode, uh, episode, a few episodes before, we see that Picard's youth was not quite as pristine. He was kind of a hellraiser when he was a kid, or not a kid, but a young man, and got stabbed in the heart for it. So, yeah, I think that this is a great Picard character development moment to know that he can kick ass when he has to. In fact, I would even say that if you don't see Starship Mine, then seeing him with his, you know, a shirt and with the muscles in first contact doesn't really make a lot of sense. It feels like something that they tacked on for the sake of the movie. Right. So it's really like they, they, somebody like Ron Moore and Braga channeled Starship mind Picard. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt the Starship mind vibe in first contact. The, I think it was the last act. Yeah. When it's him and Lily and he's basically like, you go, I'm going to get data. So I would add that. I think it's a fun one. OK. Provided you don't ask too many questions about Tim Russ's presence. I don't think anyone who's watching Star Trek in sequential order is going to have seen Tuvok. True. True. Yeah. So uh, seasons five and six, I think these are excellent choices. I left a lot of those weird wharf episodes. Like there was that that weird two parter where he goes down to the planet that it's a bunch of people that were captured from the Kittimer attack. Right. And then he's like trying to teach these Romulan Klingon kids how to be Klingon. For me, the only appeal of that is seeing them on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I know. That was the one thing I thought about. Then I was like, you know, eh, it's not worth adding to this list just for that. You can assume that they visited at some point. Yeah. Besides, you see it in the you see it in the pilot of DS9 anyway. Right. Robin Curtis playing Talera, the Romulan slash Vulcan. She's the Vulcan extreme logic, the logic extremist. Right. The, yeah. I, you know, actually, is that the first time we see the logic extremists? I think it is. You know, Gambit might not be a bad one to add to this list, though. I think, you know, it, it does kind of have some appeal. Uh, just because you get to see Picard undercover, right? And them undercover is not something we see too often. So I've added Gambit 1 and 2 to the list. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm looking over my list now and seeing what... I believe I have Phantasms. Why Phantasms? I I don't know. I think I like the idea of Data having nightmares and... I think when I first saw it, the concept of an artificial intelligence 
having nightmares, having dreams that it is trying to process data. You get what I'm saying, mm-hmm. <laughs> but trying to process information. I thought that that was fascinating. Um, I don't think that there's anything else to it, though. But yeah, for some reason, I have phantasms on my list. I don't know why. We do both have parallels, obviously lower decks. And those last few I thought were all just sort of wrapping up the loose threads of TNG. Yeah, because you have the episode where you get rid of Ensign Rowe. Mm-hmm. Preemptive strike. Mm-hmm. Journey's End is the kind of the end of Wesley Crusher. Right. Genesis, I thought was fun. Fun. I rewatched it recently, but in the end, it's just like, okay, this fun. I mean, it kind of starts to hint at sort of the wharf Troy right. weird romance for season seven that seemed to be just set up just to be pay off in all good things. Yeah. I don't know how, how much that resonates. It didn't really work for me. I kind of found it fun. Like, I think this is more the science geek in me seeing like, what would a Klingon de-evolved look like, you know, or what are, you know, the fact that they did the thinking of, you know, Betazoids are amphibious. Reg Barkley is merged with something that makes him a spider. Just that that kind of thinking. But essential, no. I think your your list here is perfect here. Well, you know what we should do one of these days is maybe compare our lists for DS9. Mm. DS9, it's funny you say that. I also have a list for DS9. <laughs> I, I actually have generally just gone to the point of just telling someone, I give you a list for season one of DS9. After season one, actually, I give a list for seasons one and two. After that, I say, just start watching in order. Yeah. Just watch in order. I did list for season one through three. And then season four, I said, just watch from here. <laughs> I think the number of duds, uh, I mean, I, I mean, obviously they had move along oh, and maybe, well. you know, and, uh, maybe that's something we should talk about in another episode is the dud of each of the Trek series. The, the dud. You're talking about the primo worst one or we're talking about yeah, primo okay. worst written <laughs> badly done episode of each Trek series. Ooh. Well, I appreciate your advice with this, uh, this list. Of course. Curious to see how, you know, once if I test this list, how it holds up. I think you've got basically a parade of hits here. I think that these are the, some of the best Star Trek episodes, period. Thankfully, TNG gives you a lot to work with, but also for the purpose of making lists, it's also thankful not so many to work with where you just say, I just watched the whole season. Yeah, exactly. I, that was the whole idea. I think that in the end here, this is going to end up being around 80 something episodes mm-hmm. as opposed to over 175. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a really good uh, uh, ratio. I it's think like, it's a, cool. it's a cut, a cut an elimination of over 50% of the show. Yeah. And it only makes it with 80 episodes. It's only about eight seasons of TV today, seven seasons. Yeah. So it's like, hey, you feel like you watched seven seasons of TNG, except. You didn't really uh, want Not the full seven seasons, just a modern day version. Is, I guess maybe that's how I should title this. The modern day, modern day TV version of TNG. Actually, that's a, that's a, I mean, before. Paramount inevitably reboots the entire franchise. I think that that's a good way of titling it. Oh, Lord, I hope they don't do that. To me, this is sort of a definitive list of Mm -hmm. if you watch this, you've seen anything that's worth seeing of TNG. You've seen the best of it. You've seen the best of most of the characters. You see how the story progresses. And again, like we mentioned before, you see how they grow into a family. The only other one that I was that's not on this list was A Matter of Time. 
you know, I'm kind of iffy on that episode. Like for me, it works better as a concept than it does played out. Okay. At the same time, I, if I recall correctly, that part was originally written for Robin Williams, who could not break his schedule. So for me, I think a part of what's lacking for me is that this was originally written for Robin Williams and you don't have to do much to write for Robin Williams. He's going to bring his energy, his character, his ad libs. And also, God, wouldn't you have loved to have seen Robin Williams uh, you know, just working alongside Patrick Stewart. Wouldn't that have been fun? I think this also would have predated all of the Robin Williams content with like one hour photo or insomnia where he played a villain. Yeah. It would have been so much fun to see him play. And this guy wasn't, you know, this, he wasn't a general Chang style villain. He wasn't gold Ducat for goodness sake, but right. he was a little bit, a little bit shady, a little bit. He was a con artist. Yeah. He was a con artist. And again, I think that that episode for me, like, conceptually it works great as it played out. I just can't help but feel like, and this is no disrespect to Matt Frewer, like this wasn't written for you. And I feel like this should have been retooled and maybe redesigned to play with Matt Frewer's strengths. Times squared. Is that worth anything to this list? Times squared. That's season two. Sorry to jump around. Season, Season two. That's the one where Picard comes back in a shuttle, the Elbaz. He's from the future where the Enterprise was destroyed. I I don't remember thinking highly of that episode. I like the visual effects in that episode. Yeah, the, true. The visual effects are great. That's true. I also wondered why they never brought that something with that storyline back. Because why is it that this random void appears, swallows the Enterprise, and then just sort of disappears? Like, what was the point of it? Well, I mean, if you're going to make that argument, we can go back to conspiracy. Well, we- conspiracy was meant to set up actually the Borg. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. So originally the Borg, I mean, the whole thing about like, remember when Remick was going to be doing it, that we did that whole investigations. You remember that episode was the episode coming of age. Remick comes aboard the Enterprise and investigates to see if there's been some issues going on with the ship. Right. And so they're trying to figure out. And then at the end of it, Remick is like, okay, you're good, Picard. Conspiracy was supposed to be the next phase of it. And then the neutral zone was going to be another part of it because Maurice Hurley was actually, despite all of his flaws, was actually planning a serialized story regarding the Borg throughout all of season two. Mm. The Borg were supposed to be a villain for most of season two. Interesting. It was going to be an ongoing villain. But the original concept for the Borg was also to be insect-like. Remember at the end of Conspiracy when it sends out a transmission mm-hmm. across the galaxy? It's, go- it's supposed to go all the way to the Delta Quadrant. Where the Borg are. Got Correct. And oh, supposed okay. to tri- that was supposed to trigger the Borg invasion. Interesting. And then that all got jettisoned. Hmm. Now, all that said, I would love to see New Trek have, you know, a single consistent villain that we get to see develop over time. Um Again, call me a DS9 fanboy. I miss the complexity of Gold Ducat. You're a DS9 fanboy. I am. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, again, I thank you for helping me with this list. I'd love to be able to share this with our audience on Twitter. If they think there's, there's an episode off this list that should go, or if they think there's one that we've neglected to mention. Share with us your favorite Star Trek episodes, uh, TNG, or from any era or any genre, and um, we will um, reach back out to you. Feel free to contact us. Let us know your favorites, what you love. 
Tell us if you loved Sub Rosa or All the Way Home or if you wanted to know if there was a new salamander human species somewhere in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, these are all fair game. And you can, of course, uh, tweet at us at story underscore Trek. Thanks for listening to us for this season. We really have loved bringing this to you. Um, wait, this isn't the end of the season. Oh, I, I, I didn't know we got canceled already. <laughs> we just got season two renewed. Season two begins now. <laughs> well, it began at the beginning of this episode. Well, it'll begin again as soon as they listen to this, you know. Listen again. Listen again. So it all begins again. And then when you finish and once you listen again, please hit like and subscribe and let all your friends know about our wonderful little podcast. And we'd love to hear from you as always. I'm Michael Sertigakis. I'm Marshall Hopkins. Live long and prosper. <laughs>